0: Now on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions.
1: Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Dan in Chicago. Quick question about share buybacks: What happens to the shares when the company buys them back? Do they
2: disappear into the ether? Where do they go? Do they go into the company's treasury shares?
0: And provides unbiased answers.
2: When a company does buybacks, they just put it in the vault, the, the corporation's coffers.
0: Invest Talk over 32 million downloads and counting your participation makes it unique 888-99-CHART
3: this podcast is produced by kpp financial steve peasley president kpp financial independent thinking shared success and now today's podcast
2: Everybody and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, September 28, thousand twenty one. A couple more trading days left in them quarter. Uh, we have begun the fall season. We're moving into the fourth quarter, of, uh, the holiday season, and traditionally one of the better seasons for stock prices. Though you wouldn't have noticed that in today's movement, uh, but that's the way it is usually. Uh, San Francisco today hit a sixty eight degrees. Southern California, we're in the 70s. It might be a little warmer this week, this weekend, but that's about what it is. And as you know, on today's program, we always start with our mission statement, independent thinking and shared success. And we state that to make sure you understand we will give you the facts. We'll be as accurate as we can be with the data we have that we buy data. We don't buy opinions, but we buy data. And we do our own research in that data. So we'll talk about, we'll make sure we give you those facts. Any question you have about stocks, we will answer. Okay, I'm Steve Peasley, and I encourage you to contact me with your financial and investment questions, anything financial. And when you do, you're going to drive the show in the direction you want it to be driven to. So you, you, we can talk about anything. long as it's on the financial spectrum of things, I'll be happy to talk about it. And you can call right now. In fact, you can call and interact with me right this second. We're live every day, Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific time. If I'm not live, it's Justin. We trade off doing the show. So we are live. You can call right now. The number the number is 888-99-CHART. And, of course, if you can't call during the live program, you still can call and leave your questions. We really appreciate it. We'll answer any question. No question is too simple. So don't worry about, well, I don't want to ask that question because it makes me look dumb. That's not not the case at all. Just because you don't know something doesn't mean you're dumb. It just means you're not informed. Once you're informed, then you know. It's that simple. And in this business, in the the stock market business, there's always more and more and more to learn. It's unending. It's one of the reasons why I like it because it's different all the time. So. Let's go ahead and get started, though. Let's go ahead and get to our first listener line question of the day. 888-99-CHART.
1: Yeah, hi. I was just wondering about ticker symbol, S-A-M, Boston Beer Company, which I think you guys have talked about before on the show. And yet, the earnings per share has been down pretty good this quarter, but it was expected to be a lot higher. And at the beginning of the summer, it was up real high, and stock price now it's kind of down Near about 520, and I think I got in about 580. I didn't know if you guys thought it would go back up or what the future looked like for the Sam or Boston Beer Company. Thank you.
2: Okay, remember, everybody, when you're thinking about buying stock or if you buy stock, you really have to understand the value of that stock. So, how do you know if you pay too much or too little? And it, it doesn't mean you can't buy stocks and pay over too much for it. You can, and they might keep going up. But if you buy a stock without any knowledge of where the fair price would be, you have no scale to know where you should be buying the stock or whether it is overpriced. So let's look at Boston Beer Company. SAM is a symbol. Manufactures over 20 beers under the Samuel Adams brand name and 10 flavored malt beverages. It's a $6 billion company. It's going to make $17.19 per share this year up 17%, next year up another 26%. The 2173, very nice growth. 33 to 50% growth in the last year every quarter. Quarter, 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 growth. The year before, it was still growth, but less growth. So it's a good, strong company, financially, fundamentally. So it's $517 stock and 40 cents right now. It was over $1,200. How much is a stock like this worth? It's going to make $21.73. Should it be worth a 20 PE? Remember the S&P 500 normally is 15. Well, it should be worth more than the S&P 500 because it has growth that's pretty strong. So what? Give it a 30 PE? 30 PE is worth what? Uh, $630. It's $517. So So if you gave it a 30 PE, it's $600. Remember, this stock was at $1,200. You bought it at $800. You see, see what I mean? It's overvalued. Is it overvalued now? Probably not. It's probably pretty close to fair value at this point. Five-year range of PE is 18 to 21, very high return on equity. Very good stock. Management owns 24%. Mutual funds are buyers. Very good. So you want to buy on when it's on sale. So, do you buy it now? What do you do with your shares that are eight hundred? Well, now you have to just realize that my eight hundred dollars per share might be, you know, fair value price. Uh, so it looks like it's gonna has a lot of support about uh, support about eight hundred eighty-five dollars to nine hundred dollars a share, but it's already broken down to five seventeen. Now that's going to act as resistance when it starts back up. Looks like it's still falling to me, so. I don't think it'll fall too much farther, but it's still falling. My focus point today concerns a story behind the headlines saying, OPEC is warning that surging gas prices are the transition premium in the push toward renewables. Yeah, you got to remember what OPEC is, what, where they're coming from, right? They want oil, high oil prices. They need it. They have to have it. To support their economies. Well, you know, we that... In the long run, oil prices are probably going to go down. But there's going to be all kinds of ups and downs and movements until the long run hits. Long run is 10, 20 years down the road. So we'll talk about that in detail. Why would the Treasury yield be going up? It was up 1.5% today. It's been moving up. Why? What's causing that? What damage will that do? I think that's doing the damage to the market today. I think that's what it is. Consumer confidence numbers were out. We'll talk about that. What is the best country to retire to? Now, I love doing these things. This one, you know, I love them because they don't explain how they come up with that. You know, I'm reading an article. There's, well, what kind of, what are you, what are you rating? What do you, what's important? How do you figure this out? So I'm going to share that with you a little bit. And um, did you hear that what Ford is going to spend, Ford's going to spend on, Uh, factory and battery factories, three of them, three huge battery factories. Mm -hmm. So that's what we'll talk about. The market was down sharply. The Dow was down 569 points. And to give you some scale, that's 1.6% down. The NASDAQ was down 423. That's 2.8% down. And the NASDAQ was down, I mean, the S&P was down 90, and that's 2%. Now, so we're still in the correction. I have been saying we have been in the correction. Even when the market started to perk up last week, uh, or a lot of products, uh, we're still in the correction mode. We still definitely are in the correction mode. So today, we just bet back down. I think the NASDAQ broke the recent lows, and the others didn't yet, the Dow and the S&P 500. But we're not out of that correction phase. And remember I said, uh, September has bad months. October can be a bad month, but October also marks bottoms. I still, th- I think we're not at the bottom necessarily for this pullback that we're having, and that's been pretty mild so far. But I think October is going to be the bottom somewhere in October. I can see that happening. We will all observe, won't we? 888-99-CHARGE is my number. I wanted to talk to you. I want you to give me a call. So why don't you give me a call? 888-992-4278 so you can ask your questions. My trivia question today concerns your safe deposit box. Do you know which items you should not keep in it? Not keep in your safe deposit box. That's coming up halfway point at the program. Do it every day that I do the show. This is the best talk. And if you've never called, when to do it now. Come on, give us a call. I will be curious to hear from you and your questions. I find them interesting. And I'll give you my unbiased answer. I promise that. So the lines are open, 888-99-CHARGE. No two
0: investors have an identical portfolio. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz.
1: Hey guys, love the show. I'm looking to add some value stocks to my portfolio. One of the companies I've been looking at is Intel, INT. Just wondering your thoughts on a good entry point or if I should avoid Intel. Thanks.
2: Well, I wouldn't consider it a value stock. I would not. Intel, uh simple Symbol, manufactured microprocessor chipsets, network processors, non-volatile memory and storage. Gonna make, in 2020, they made $5.17 a share, and that has been the high mark. For years 2021 they're going to make 479 and next year 2022 441 sales growth there is none it's either shrinking or flat shrinking one two three four percent or flat not moving up or down so it's a 54 dollars stock four dollars and 41 cents Th- what does that make it about what uh 13 p.e Okay, 12-something, 13. Well, what's their normal P? 8 to 15, so it's, you know, it's up the higher end. It has very good return on equity. It's a very well-run company. I'm not saying anything bad about the company itself. It pays a nice dividend, 2.6%. Uh, mutual funds own it, and about the same amount as they owned it a year ago, still own it. But it's not a value stock. I, I have no interest in owning this stock. There's a lot better companies out there to own. Either higher dividend or higher growth with big blue chip company, if you're looking for, uh, or with, you know, higher potential of growth. Intel doesn't have those things at this point. My focus point today concerns a story behind the headlines. OPIC is warning that surging gas prices are the transition premium in the push toward renewables. What he's talking about, and he, you know, he's got a point to make here, is that... Um, the, you know, we're, we're all moving – everybody in the whole world is moving to renewables, right, electric cars. Well, what have we done here in the United States? Well, our government has put a kibosh on new drilling, doesn't want new drilling. It wants to go, you know, uh, you know uh, clean energy, no drilling for oil, no more oil pipelines. They don't want to do anything with oil. Well, that's going to cause a shortage because, you know, we don't have – we we can't use renewables to fly planes you can't use renewables to move the the the, the cars around because there's not enough electric vehicles and one big point no one is talking about and i keep mentioning it is who's how are we going to electrify all these cars we don't have enough electricity we don't have nearly enough not even a, we don't even have 25% enough to, to electrify all these cars. If, if we move to all our vehicles, to electric vehicles, it, it we, we're not even talking about building more electrical power plants. No one is even worried about it. And they think that electricity is just going to appear. But anyways, he's saying that since everybody's moving electric, no one's drilling for oil, no one's looking for it, no one's in the mood to look for it. Well, that means your supply is going to be tighter and tighter and tighter, especially when, when you don't have enough electric vehicles or enough capacity to build the vehicles yet. That you know, all this is going to relate to is its oil prices are going to be very volatile, and they're probably going to be high. That's what that means, pretty much. Okay, that's what it means. We're headed into a break, but I'm here right now on duty. Ready to take your calls. 888-99-CHART.
3: Now is a good time to call Invest Talk.
2: A warrant is a right to buy shares of stocks at a certain price.
3: What's your question? Would you
1: recommend to put all my funds right away in the market or you
3: recommend dollar cost average? got a question for steve or justin 888-99-CHART
0: each day invest talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email would you like your question to be put near the top of the list just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes and be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments.
2: Okay, when you when you do review us, you know, we like you to listen to the show or download the free podcast, and if you download it at Apple, you can review us, and we would love for you to do that. Some people do, and we appreciate it. And one of the ways we show our appreciation is uh, getting to the question quickly, if they have one. So uh, this is one. I've been listening to the show for five-plus years and love it. I have owned Under Armour for years, and now it's finally run back up. What are your thoughts on Under Armour? And currently, now that it seems to be cleaning up things with uh, Patrick Fisk coming on board, well, we'll see. Let's take a look at Under Armour. The symbol is UAA, everybody. It's out of Baltimore, Maryland. Markets performance apparel, footwear, accessories made from moisture-wicking synthetic fabrics. I always have trouble owning these kinds of companies because they go in and out of fashion. Now, Under Armour is a very good company. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying that they they come and go out of fashion. It's now back up near its old highs uh, that it made in 2018, which was in the you know the high twenties. It's now twenty one twenty. It's coming off the high of twenty six or so. Now twenty one twenty. Is it worth it though? See, I always fall back to fundamentals. Is is the company worth the stock price? They're going to make $0.56 this year after losing money last year. Then next year, they're going to make $0.63. It's a $21 stock going to make $0.63. How about sales growth? Well, if you started four quarters ago, there was no growth. Three quarters ago, there was 3% growth. Two quarters ago, 35% growth. And the most recent quarter, 91% growth. So all of a sudden, it looks like they got their act together again. And they're starting to grow again. Now, after years of not being able to do that. Now, Under Armour, you know, when it was made in 2015, when it made 53, it got as high as $52 a share. That's its ultimate high. Remember, it's 21 now. They're going to make 63 cents a share. And right now, it's 21. So you would think, okay, well, maybe if they go back to the old high, and that would be a mistake, thinking in those terms that they'll go back to where they were. No, I'd never look back. Always look forward. What's forward? What's forward? What is sixty-three cents a share worth? Well, if you give it okay, let's take let's say let's give it a high PE. Twenty-five? Thirty? Okay, let's give it a thirty PE. What's the stock worth? Eighteen dollars. It's twenty one now. Give it a forty PE. What's the stock worth? Twenty four dollars. Remember it only is it gonna make sixty three cents a share. No, it's not for me. Not for me. I think it's expensive. I don't think it's just not. It's too too unpredictable, too volatile. Let's go to Eric in San Jose. How you doing, Eric? Doing fine. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Sure, sure. Hey, I, I've just recently rolled over
3: um, an IRA from a former employee and put it into a self-directed um, um, brokerage uh, IRA account, of course, uh-huh. um, and I've got quite a bit of cash. I've been buying a few, few bits and pieces of stocks here and there. Is it a good idea just to kind of continue buying small positions in stocks, or just you know pick some stocks and go for it?
2: I, I think, I think right this minute, I think you are doing the right thing, but I think that you are going to need to have to go for it sometime in October. Okay. It would be nice if the market had a nice, healthy 10% correction. Right now, what it's about five percent correction or so. That's not very healthy. Yeah, 10 to 15. Right. And if you have 15, if they hit a 15 correction in the next couple of weeks, I would tell you dump all your money and buy all the stocks you want, invest it. But right now, I would buy bits and pieces as you are. I would not, I would not buy anything. I would buy stuff, but I'd be pretty careful at this point. Yeah, you know, that'd be my opinion. Perfect. That, okay. Yeah,
1: great. That's, that's kind of what I've been doing. I appreciate okay, it. Okay. I
2: think you're doing the right thing, Eric. Appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Thanks for listening. 888 okay. chart everybody. That's the number. Love to have you call me and ask your questions. Okay. Why would raising, rising treasury rates, like 1.5%, I don't know what it ended the day, 1.5, I mean, they got down pretty darn low. Now it's pretty relatively high in recent years at 1.5%. Why would that hurt? Why is it going up? Why would that hurt tech stocks? Because that looks like is what it's doing. Tech stocks took the biggest beating today. They've been taking the worst beating. And I believe that some of it is a result of, tech, of interest rates, treasury rates going up to 1.5%. Then that uh, that that kind of uh, leads to the deeper questions: as to why is Church rates going up? The Fed's not made any moves yet. They said they're really not. They said they're going to start maybe by uh, cutting back a little bit their bond buying practices. Well, that might that also might be helping interest rates. I think it's all about inflation. I do. I think it's inflation. I've been saying that for some time, that inflation is pretty hot, too hot, and it probably is not going to slow down anytime soon, even though the Fed thinks it was, but now I think they're trying to t- start to change their tune. Anyways, chances are that many Invest Talk listeners have a safe deposit box at their bank. I don't, but many of you do, might, and that's fine, as long as you know what not to keep in that vault. So as we go to break, here's my typical question. Can you name seven things you may regret keeping in a safe deposit box? As a break, I'll supply the answer. But for now, phone lines are open. 888 99
4: Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI Red Teaming is the practice of stress-testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at hackerone.com. That's H A C K E R O N E.com. Hackerone.com.
0: You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights. From the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter, listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions,
2: 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278, and I gave you a trivia question before, before the break, and the question was, you know, if you have a safe deposit box, what should you not keep in that safe deposit box, and why? Number one is cash. Some banks expressly forbid storing cash in a safe deposit box, but if you do, remember it's not FDIC insured. It's not. So I don't understand why they even mentioned that in this because the reason why the why, why, reason why you would keep cash in the box in the bank is because you want to you want that money not exposed to the system whatsoever. Now. Might your reasons be nefarious? That's possible. Maybe not, though. Passports. Now, if you need a trip, well, if you had to hurry up and leave and it's over a weekend, you can't get in the bank. So, like, don't keep your passport there. Original copy of every will. Because when you die, the bank will seal the safe deposit box until they, get a, they have the... Uh, the executor prove that they're the executor. They can't do that without the will, because that's where it says who the executor is. So don't keep a will in the safe deposit box. Okay, uh, you can keep a copy of it, I guess, but not the original. Uh, letters of instruction. You keep that with your will, not, not, and that should not be in the safe deposit box. Durable power of attorneys. Remember, you know, someone who has a power of attorney over you because if you, something happens to you, oh, they can't access your safe deposit box to get it to show that they can make decisions for you. Same thing with the advanced directive for health care. They can't make health care decisions for you without the advanced directive, and they can't get it to through your safe deposit box. See, so that doesn't work that way. And... The seventh, the seventh item here is don't keep your spare keys in your safe deposit. Especially the spare safe deposit box key. 888 <laughs> 99 is our number, everybody. 888-992-4278. Let's go to Jason from Columbia.
1: Hey, Steve. Good afternoon. How are you?
2: I'm good. Thanks for the call. This is Columbia, South America, right?
1: Yes, sir. I'm calling for Medellin specifically. Wow.
2: Thanks for calling.
1: Thank you. I have a question on QYLD. I just want to see how safe the dividend is and if it would make sense to keep a good portion in it and use it kind of like a super savings account since it does pay a monthly dividend. Thank you.
2: Okay. Are you talking about the Global X NASDAQ 100 exchange traded fund? Okay. This yeah. is an exchange traded fund. everybody, seeking results corresponding to the CBOE, CBOE NASDAQ 100 buy right index that pays a very high dividend. Uh, I don't know if I would rely on that dividend, uh, Jason, because they're paying 11.7% dividend. That money, some of that money has to come out. Uh, I come, I, I have to read the ETF. But Some of it has to come out of the value of the ETF, in other words, your own money giving back your own money. You know, some of it has to come from that because no stocks in the CBO 100 buy right index pays 11.7 percent, they can't, they don't have it, so they have to get that 11.7 percent somewhere else. I mean, plus the Nasdaq 100, which is a low dividend paying index, not a high. So how are they getting that dividend? Is how you what you want to know? And is it sustainable? And my gut reaction at that high of a dividend is it's pretty hard to do. I don't think they can do it. In other words, keep it up perpetually without giving back your own money. So keep go check out how they're doing that, Jason. That's what I would do. Thanks for the call, Amia in Ohio. How you doing? Amia, good. How are you? I'm good. Thank yes. you for the call. Hi.
1: Yes, I have a
4: question in regards to ETF a ticker symbol IHI. What is your opinion about this ETF, and uh, if you like
1: it, at what price would you buy it?
2: I do like it. Uh, it's IShares U.S. Medical Development Exchange-Traded Fund ETF, seeking performance corresponding to the Dow Jones U.S. Select Medical Equipment Index, and I like medical equipment i like companies that make equipment because i I don't think most of the time their earnings are not impacted by recessions they're not impacted by you know anything really because their equipment is needed and it's they sell it and it's kind of a nice thing i like that because it's not you know their sales are always going to be consistent and probably growing uh, and it reflects in the performance of this ETF. It's done very well over the years. Um, it has fallen, of course, sharply the last couple of days. It's moving toward a buy area, and I'm going to tell you the buy area is between sixty and sixty-one dollars. It's at sixty-three twenty now. That's a pretty strong support area. The next strong support comes in at about fifty-five. So somewhere between 55 and 60 would probably be your ideal price to buy this thing, I think. Okay. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 888 chart, 888-992-4278. Okay. The consumer confidence number was out today. Did you know that that is down again? And that's for three months in a row, it has gone down. Now, I'm not a big fan of the consumer confidence number necessarily. But it is significant that it's been down three months in a row. But if you look at it, if you look at it, it's still pretty high. Okay, it's still pretty high. I mean, it's at 109.3 in September. It was 115 in August. So so it's been it's been pretty high. Back in February to get a kind of better idea, it was ninety-five. Remember, it's at 109 now. So it's still pretty high. Okay, that and the conference board even says it's still pretty high, so consumers are still fairly confident, even though it's gone down three times, three months in a row. So it just hasn't gone down very much, and it's coming down from a very high point. That's what that means. So I don't think you should worry about it in particular. I don't. I wouldn't. Let's go to L.A. Uh, from Atlanta. His name is L.A.
1: Hi Steve, how uh, you doing? Good, thanks for the call. Thank you for uh, taking my call. Thank you. Uh, I had a question regarding uh, Zillow, ticker symbol ZG. I okay. uh, just wanted to get your take, overall take on it. Um okay. It's margin toward It's 52-week low, and um, it's kind of hitting a. Um, it's uh, support, and I was interested in your uh, overall take.
2: Okay, uh, this is Zillow Group. I probably don't you think that most people have heard of Zillow LAI. I think they would. I think provides online real estate data, connects home buyers with sellers and mortgage professionals. Zillow, it's a huge company, twenty one billion dollar company. It's big. Um, they make money. They've been making money for a number of years. They're going to make a dollar seventeen this year per share. Next year, a dollar thirty seven. But it's an eighty-eight dollar stock, so it's not cheap. It's expensive. Now, Zillow has always been expensive. Their lowest PE in the last five years has been fifty-four. And it's at, well, let's see, if it's a dollar thirty-seven, they're gonna make a dollar thirty-seven. You take fifty-four, the lowest PE, you take that number and multiply it times a dollar thirty-seven and you get $73.98, $74 stock. So at its lowest, it's 74, at least in the last five years. Now, how can it go lower than 54 PE if it's, if, the, if the sales start to fall apart? Well, last quarter, the sales were up 70%. So I don't think that's happening, but it's probably, you know, it's probably affecting it, the downstroke that it's been under, because it was at $212.00. Back in February. That downstroke it's been having, it probably relates to a peak in real estate. Real estate has already peaked and it's affecting Zillow, even though they're still making really good money. So their PE ratio might contract, is what I'm saying. And if that happens, they'll go down further. But the company's still very strong. There's nothing wrong with the company, it's all about price. Is it too expensive? You know, there's a lot of support around seventy-eight to eighty dollars, and it's at eighty-eight now. So a long-term, you know, remember it's attached to the real estate market. You got to kind of follow it with the real estate market. If the real estate market's hot. This should go up higher. The real estate market peaked. You know, remember every all us investors are looking forward. La, they're saying, "Hmm, I think real estate's probably going to be softer next year than this year," and therefore Zillow's probably selling, selling off because of that just because of that perception. Whether it's right or wrong, that's the perception. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Fall is underway, everybody. Fall. I love fall. Uh, you know, it has my favorite holidays in fall. Anyways, it's underway, and I'd like to reserve a minute to talk about uh, the the KPP Financial, the fourth quarter starting Friday, by the way. So, you know, it's important that you keep your money where it where you know what's doing what's happening with it, that you don't ignore it. That you have it with somebody that you can trust. And hopefully that's us. We we try work hard to earn people's trust. One of the ways we do that is we put we buy the same things for ourselves, same percentage of our portfolio, same price, same stock, same ETFs as our clients, same bonds for myself. As we do for our, our clients, my portfolio reflects exactly. I'm in all my programs. We have about five programs, from very risky to very conservative. My pro that everyone looks just like mine. Okay, so I would like to, you know we call that parallel investing. I like to bring that out there's not too many people do that. They don't want to do it, but that's they don't have to. That's up to them. I think you should, but. If you like us, to take a look at your portfolio. Talk about our services. That's fine. If you just want us to look at your portfolio and give you some advice, we do that too. That's free. There's no cost. Be happy to help you. You know, I mean, it, managing money it takes time and effort. And if you have it, and interest, time, effort, and interest. If you have those three things, well, then you could do it. But most people don't have the time, uh, and they. So they can't make the effort because they don't have enough time, but they have the interest. They just don't have enough time. And that's what we're here for. We're here to help you with that. So you can call our KPP offices. We're in Irvine, California. You can send me an email. Go to investtalk.com. Just tell us what you want. Be happy to help you. Be happy to take a look at your portfolio. No obligation, of course. Please, really, there is no obligation. We don't. We don't do that. And we, we want to help people. That's the point. We want to help you. So let us help you. If you don't need our help, that's great too. Next up, another voice paint question in 30 seconds.
4: Justin. This
1: is Dan in Chicago. Quick question about chair buyback. What happens to those shares when the company buys them back? Do they disappear into the ether? Where do they go? Do they go into the company's treasury shares? And I guess if you could comment on what treasury shares are and how those function and i would love to know Then also the dividends if they pay them on those bought back shares they just keep it they don't pay that to themselves i assume i would love to know your thoughts and opinions on what happens to shares when they are bought back i will be eagerly awaiting my answer and i love the program thank you
2: okay that's a that's a very good question see those are the kind of questions. How would you know unless someone helps you with that, tells you, or you, you study it. Okay, let's say you're a public company, okay? Let's say you're let's say you're a private company and you want to become public. You say, okay, I'm going to uh I'm gonna I'm gonna issue a hundred million shares. And I'm gonna let fifty million trade in the public eye. In other words, I'm gonna let fifty million be in the float but i have 100 million outstanding but only 50 million to be in the float we could take zillow zillow has 52.6 million shares floating around buying and selling okay they issued those shares total outstanding are 240 million hmm. so where are they where are they? they're held by the corporation they hold by the corporation owns them they own them they didn't issue them all. They can issue more if they want to. Even if they have a hundred percent of their shares in the float, they can issue more shares if they want to. They can just issue them. But so when a company does buybacks, they just put it in the vault, the corporation's coffers, in their pocket. That's where they go. That's where they are. Corporation holds them. Okay. Now, they can reissue them if they want. They can release them out in the float again if they want. Okay, so now the owner, the earnings per share always pertains to the shares in the float. How much money they're going to make, not the shares that the corporation has put away. Let's just say that. Okay, I'm simplifying it, everybody, but that's essentially what happens. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. We have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. We want to do that. So, Will and San Diego, if you hold on, you'll be next, I promise. Our work continues after this break. 888 99 charge.
3: Now is a good time to call Invest Talk.
2: A warrant is a right to buy shares of stocks at a certain price.
3: What's your question? Would
1: you recommend to put all my funds right away in the market or you recommend dollar cost average
3: got a question for steve or justin Eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart
0: your objective is to work hard plan well and achieve financial freedom right you're in luck because steve peaslee is here now Ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART.
2: 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Will in San Diego. Will.
1: Oh, hi, Steve. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for the call. Um, yeah, I'm looking at NLY. I own it, and I'm wondering if I should hang on to it. What do you okay. think?
2: Okay, it's a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust. It owns and manages... Fine. Mortgage pass-through certificates and collateral mortgage obligations—it's never been higher than twelve dollars a share. It's at eight eighty-one now. Uh, the going to earn a dollar twelve this year, and then down next year to a dollar four. Uh, so it's never had a very high P. It, the highest it's ever had was sixteen, and lowest is five. So it's right around eight nine right now. Okay, maybe nine. Pays a high dividend. That's the the best thing you have about the, when you talk about this company. You're not going to get growth out of it, but you might get a nice dividend uh, because it has to pay 90 percent of its earnings in the form of dividend. They're going to make a dollar four next year, dollar 12 this year, but the earnings are going to go down. Don't expect ever to have a high price. Mortgage rates are going up. That's going to make it tougher for this company to make money because for the last what, 30 years, mortgage rates have generally been moving down. Well, I think the next 30 years, they'll generally be moving up. But it'll be very, very, very slow. Very slow. So, uh, for the next few years, it's going to pay a deficit dividend. And if you want to live on the dividend, you'll be fine. Well, thanks for the call. Let's go to Tim in San Jose. Hi, Tim.
3: It's Jim and
1: Steve. Hi. Very good to talk to you. Thank you. Uh, my question is... My question related to uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Uh, my, I just want to find out your opinion. Do you ever see either one of those being released from government control? And no. is it worthwhile buying them as a long-term investment?
2: No. To both those answers, uh, no. Uh, yeah. They, they are. You know, the government kinds of backs Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Sally Mae. The government. Well, never let them go under. We saw that evidence of that back in two thousand eight. They government came in, swooped in, saved them, right? Uh, so I don't think the government's ever going to just back out of not let them be by on their own. They'll always have some kind of control. Uh, problem with that is I don't know. They're you know they're not going to make much money. They never seem to make much money. You know they're, they're shrinking their sales now. Uh, it provides liquidity and stability services for the mortgage market in the United States. That's about it. So, uh, you know, it's eighty six cents a share. Could, you know, could it go back to two dollars? Sure, but don't ever. Th- it's. I-, I would never. The only, uh, the only, thing, only reason why I would own it is to speculate on the stock movement because it's at eighty six cents and it might go back to a buck, and that's you know fourteen percent increase. Okay. If it goes for two bucks, man, I've doubled my money. You know, see that that speculating is the only reason I would even think about owning it. Appreciate the call, but I would not own it, just so you know. It's not an investment to me. Okay, 888.99 chart, everybody. Um, Ford is building three battery factories, two in Kentucky, one in Tennessee. Billions of dollars. Seven billion dollars. They're also building another plant. I think in Tennessee, a, a, a manufacturing plant to build electric cars. So they're spending huge amounts of money over the next few years, and they're not alone. A lot of car companies are doing that. They got to invest huge amounts of money into building new cars, electric vehicles. They you know they also got to ensure battery supplies, right? If they're building electric vehicles, they can't be you know just you know, I guess I'll buy the batteries from some third party. They're not going to rely on that. They're going to try to build a lot of their own batteries and use third-party manufacturers of batteries because that's going to be necessary. It's going to be necessary. And I go back to what I said at the beginning of the show, where are we going to get the electricity to charge all these batteries? You know, people think, well, just plug it into the wall. What? <laughs> That you know, electricity, I mean here in California, they already have, you know, what they call them, flex alerts or something, where we got supposed to not use power during the hottest part of the day because, you know, we're putting too much strain on our electric grid. What are you talking about when we put, when you put hundreds or two hundreds of millions of cars on that electric grid? Anyways, FTP is laying this completes another InvestTalk program. Justin Klein and I, thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. And please tell your friends, and friends and family about the show. Free podcasts. You can get downloaded anytime you want. You can get the downloads at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. So, you know, and we would love to you to rate us if you do do download it on iTunes. Appreciate that. Okay. Independent listening, shared success. This is a talk. Have a great evening, everybody.